another episode of the Best of All Possible Podcast. I am your host, Robert Weathers, and we here at Panglossian Productions in Williamsburg, Virginia, have a love for the weird. We love unproduced and underproduced plays, and don't you know it, we also love 10-minute plays. And as you know, if you've listened to one of these before, we've had so many 10-minute plays submitted to us over the past several years that we cannot possibly produce them all. So we're going to pick some, and we're going to give you one tonight on a cold read with some very talented actors. And one of these actors is to my right. She's our special guest here tonight, Miss Kim, Mrs. Kim Bernal. Hey! Hashtag what? Hashtag Opera Kim. Opera Kim? <gasps> it's a long story. Oh, man. Somebody hashtag that. <laughs> so, welcome, Kim. Thank you. This is the first time on the show. I know. We're excited to have you here. So am I. And we're excited to have you promote... Ripcord! Yeah! Yay! 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 Productions. Exactly. You know, Panglossian Productions presents Ripcord at the Williamsburg Regional Library on Scotland Street, opening on March 30th, running March 30th, 31st, April 6th, 7th, and 8th. Hmm. We're super glad to have you here. Thank you. And I have a question for you. Okay. I'll give you a hint. It's tangentially related to the play that we're about to read. Everyone in the room just rolled their eyes, and I'm <laughs> loving it. <laughs> Kim. Do you feel like you have good instincts? Oh, yes. I yeah. do. I really do. Can you expand upon that at all? Well, I, I've i been told by a lot of people that mm -hmm. I just have good instincts, and, and they like me for that, and I usually go with my gut, and most of the time it's right. I've been very fortunate with really? that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that is a good skill to have. <laughs> well, we're super excited to have you here. Today, we are going to read a play called Good Guys with Guns by Andy Raker. This is a play that has four roles in it, so we have three other actors joining us here today. And to my left, we have another Ripcord cast member and first-time participant on our show, Mr. Stephen Kristoff. Yeah. Welcome to yeah. How's your instinct, Stephen? Uh, good. Pretty good, I say. Good, good, good street instinct. smarts. Street smarts. I've got a good street smarts. He just pulled out a butterfly knife, everybody. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. yes. Good means of instinct, sure. I guess I thought that joke was funnier than it was. I don't hey, know. <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you here, even without your butterfly knife. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, it's my pleasure. Giggling like a schoolgirl over to Kim's right is returning guest Jason Ballou. Hey, Jason. Oh, hey, nice to know I can talk now, because, oh, that was hard. How's your instincts, Jason? Oh, uh, clearly not that good, because uh, <laughs> I fell flat on that one. <laughs> no, I think instincts are something that a lot of people think they have good instincts. Just uh -huh. like, you know, a lot of people think more highly of themselves than, than maybe the rest of the world does. <laughs> <laughs> to say that, I think I have great instincts. The best <laughs> instincts, uh -huh. actually. The best. Would you say it's proportional? The better you think your instincts are, the less likely they are? Hmm. Oh, that's a that's a deep question. I don't think you got time for that one. I'm oh, you're right. That probably, that's probably. <laughs> this will go very long. <laughs> and over to Jason's right, we have returning Michelle Green Smith. Welcome back. Hey. So, Michelle, when you deal with people, do you get a good sense about the kind of people, the kind of person you're dealing with quickly, uh, along the line of instincts? Yeah. You think so? I think so. I think I think I think I, I think I pick up subtext pretty mm -hmm. well and. I, I, I equate this to, you know, sitting on the other side of the director's table, right, when you're looking at auditions. I remember when I was in high school, directors would say they know whether or not they want to see more of you by the time you open your mouth. 
right? And I never got that until I sat on the other side of the table. Oh, yeah. And so I think that my instincts, too, are pretty good. Um, just but along the lines of whether or not I want to see or deal with this person, you know, that I'm looking at any further. But we're glad to have all of y'all here today. Once again, we are going to read Good Guys with Guns by Andy Raker. And this is a cold read, once again, for our viewers at home. These actors have not read this play before, and the only reason they know who they're going to play is because I've told them before already. But for your edification at home, uh, Michelle, could you please read Amber Locke? Sure thing. Stephen, could you please read Robert Stock? Sure, yep. Jason, could you please read Greg Barrel? Uh-huh. And Kim, could you please read Laurie Shaft? Sure. I will read the stage directions, and I'm also going to read the synopsis for the play and part of the bio for Andy because you need to hear it. The synopsis for this play is that this is in this satirical take on the not-too-distant future, Amber Locke and Robert Stock report on the massive decline in violent crime since the widespread repeal of gun control measures across the United States. With virtually every citizen packing heat with little or no regulation, the streets are safer than they've ever been before. Locke and Stock find in their report that most people instinctively know how to behave appropriately when a situation involves firearms. In part of uh, Andy Rakard's bio, Andy Rakard is a Minneapolis-based actor and playwright, and this is why. Most recently, his new play, The Butt Slasher, <laughs> was produced as part of the 2017 Minnesota Fringe Festival. His previous uh, produced works include The Surgeon and Love and Persuasion. I love to read those, but man, Andy, do I want to read The Butt Slasher. <laughs> please send it to yeah, literary at pangolassian.org. If not kidding, send that uh, one. Please slash, send right? it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Good Guys with Guns by Andy Rakert. <clears throat> A news studio. Amber and Robert are news anchors sitting on opposite sides of the table delivering the nightly news report. There is a monitor behind them projecting different facts, figures, and images as the report continues. How much this is utilized is up to the director. Theme music plays. Dun -dun -dun -dun. Thank you again for joining us for KFEC News at 9. I'm Amber Locke. And I'm Robert Stock. Our top story tonight, a recent study found that gun-related deaths in the United States have been plummeted in the past five years, reaching an all-time low. In the year 2020, only 31 people were killed in gun-related violence, and all 31 of those people were themselves would-be criminals. Compare that to more than 39,000 gun-related deaths in 2016. This plummet in gun-related violence is attributed to the Second Amendment Protection Act. SAP effectively eliminated all gun control measures anywhere in the United States. This Republican-led legislation was highly controversial at the time and heavily opposed by Democrats, especially when measures were taken to remove any requirements for background checks, including for convicted felons and those with a history of mental health issues. Proposals to remove age restrictions and assault weapon bans were met with protests across the nation, even as the NRA hailed the measures as major victories for supporters of the Constitution. The world has changed rapidly since SAP was enacted. At first, people were nervous to see their neighbors on an evening stroll with a loaded bazooka slung over one shoulder. Many expected gun-related incidents and deaths to skyrocket. As it turns out, the opposite has been the case. The murder rate in the United States has plummeted to almost zero, with 75% of the population now openly carrying firearms. Other forms of violent crime have plummeted as well. In fact, the number of police officers in the country has declined by 32% as the overall rate of crime has taken dramatic dips in the point 
that law enforcement is hardly necessary. Private citizens have been taking it upon themselves to crack down on would-be violent offenders. We are joined by one such citizen who is being hailed as a hero in his small-town Georgia community after stopping a potential mass shooting in progress. Greg Barrel, welcome to the program. Uh, yeah, Greg uh, enters apparently triumphantly uh, and uh, sits. <laughs> Hi. Describe the incident from last week that sparked your blazing rise to hero status. Oh, I was uh, I was at the mall. I saw this dark-skinned guy and looked kind of shifty. I saw he had a gun on him, and I could tell that he was about to do something with it. So when you sensed that he was about to draw his weapon, what did you do? Oh, I drew faster. You drew faster? Oh, Amazing. yeah. And you are certain that if you hadn't sensed the danger, this person would have gunned down dozens of people? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I just knew he was a mass murderer. I knew that if everyone around him hadn't been carrying guns, there would have been utter chaos and confusion. But he was a bad guy with a gun, and I, <laughs> I was a good guy with a gun, and I think everyone knew that. <laughs> oh, of course. Anyone can tell who the bad guys are if they just use good judgment and observation. Mm -hmm. Greg Barrel, thank you for joining us. Greg exits. Well, these new sweeping anti-gun control measures have not only had an effect on public safety, but in public safety, but in school public safety as well. A lot of teachers raised objections when Congress passed a measure requiring all school teachers to carry firearms. But since the measure was rolled out, educators have seen a sharp decrease in behavioral issues. I sat down uh, with fifth grade teacher Lori Shaft to get her perspective. Lights dim on stage and a video begins playing showing footage of kids walking halls at school. Alternatively, Robert's interview with Lori could take place in different lighting at a separate table on stage. The hallways at Robert E. Lee Elementary are packed with enthusiastic young learners shuffling to class. These rambunctious elementary students are remarkably subdued during transition time. Lori Shaft, a fifth-grade teacher at Robert E. Lee, attributes the positive behavior to the presence of firearms in school. Video cuts to Lori being interviewed by Robert. At first, I wasn't sure about the measure. I thought there was no way my fifth-graders were going to feel safer when I was carrying a handgun on my hip. But I have to say, I've seen an astonishing change in my students. Classroom management is virtually no longer a problem. Can you give us an example? I had one student who was throwing bits of paper at his classmates during a test, even when I repeatedly asked him to stop. So I walked up to him, but I just kind of put my hand on, his, on, my hand on my holster like this. I didn't even realize I was doing it, and I said, Sammy, do you think you could leave your neighbors alone and finish your test, please? He sat up straight and finished his math problems faster than I believe possible. That's incredible. So behavior is improving, and you think that your students have been feeling safer as well. Oh, yes. Bullying really isn't an issue this year. I was on the playground the other day, and I saw one of my students pushing the other student into the dirt. And when he saw me approaching, he went white as a sheet and immediately started apologizing. Normally, I would have to take the bully and the victim inside and have a mediation session when we talked about our feelings and how to appropriately express them, but I find that this just isn't the case anymore. That's just wonderful to hear how the kids are respecting your authority. Yes, I do tend to get more children crying for no apparent reason, <laughs> but their behaviors are definitely under control. 
Now, I want to ask you something uh, about something that may, may be difficult for you to talk about. There was a potential uh, mass shooting at a nearby high school a few months ago, correct? Yes, at Stonewall Jackson High School. Did you know the people involved? I knew the teacher involved, but not the student. As I understand it, the student was a recent immigrant. But your colleague, James Marks, was able to thwart this potential shooter, correct? Yes. The student came into the school carrying an assault weapon, which is not illegal, mind you, but somehow Mr. Marks just knew that this student was a bad guy. He just knew. Though really, I think most people can tell the difference between a good person with a gun and a bad person with a gun. And how was Mr. Marks able to stop the student from drawing his weapon? Mr. Marks drew faster. <laughs> and thank God for that. Now, some people may think it might have been safer if Mr. Marks had contracted, uh, contacted the authorities when he sensed something was wrong. Do you agree? No, I think that by that point it would have been too late. Mr. Marks did everything right. The only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. We've been speaking with Lori Schaff, fifth grade teacher and gun convert. Thank you, Lori, for taking the time to speak with us today. My pleasure. The video ends, lights up on the newsroom. Oh, powerful stuff. Yes, Amber. There are so many stories like these all around the country. It seems like every potential shooter is being taken down by private citizens before an incident is ever allowed to take place. Yes, and it wasn't that long ago that the American people would have to endure mass shooting, uh, a mass shooting tragedy every few months or so. But not anymore. Now police have some advice for private citizens who are out in the world and who think they may be encountering someone who means them harm. First, it is the responsibility of every private citizen to take every step to protect themselves and others. So, if you are out in your community and you see someone you think might be a potential shooter, you should draw your own weapon and take them down first before they are able to harm others. And remember, shoot to kill. Never aim your firearm at anything that you don't intend to kill. Now, Robert, aren't, uh, how are those private citizens going to know if, if the person they see with a firearm in public is a bad guy? The authorities say that most people just know when somebody's a bad guy. People are level-headed and discerning by nature. It, if you do end up in a conflict, it will be fairly easy to tell who is the bad guy and who is the good guy. Well, that is certainly a relief. I would hate it if I was a good guy with a gun and somebody thought I was a bad guy and shot me. People say that basically that, that basically never happens, Amber. The data show that most people are able to think rationally when firearms are involved. Exactly right, Robert. And while firearm use is not yet mandatory in most states, both the federal gov government and the NRA recommend that all adult persons carry at least a small gun on their person at all times. Just like this one. She pulls out a shotgun. Woohoo! <laughs> There's no better tool for protecting your family. Goddamn right, Amber. <laughs> he brandishes two pistols. <laughs> You're watching KFEC News at 9, and now for the weather. Lights slowly fade to black, music plays as Amber and Robert jokingly pretend to fire their guns at each other while giggling. End of play. Great read, everybody. I, uh, so now we're going to move on to the part of the show where we have a brief discussion about the play, the satire that we just read. So I am going to ask the same question I always ask to start up. What are your first impressions of this play? And Kim, you're our special guest. So this can be as simple as I liked it or I didn't. If there's anything you thought particularly worked in here or didn't work, uh, dialogue, 
rhythm, pacing, etc. I really liked it. I would love to see this fleshed out a little bit more, but I really like satire. Sure. So I really enjoyed reading this. Great, great. Anybody else got thoughts? Jason? Uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad to end on a, on, a, on a definitely funny note. I thought there was a lot more room for actual comedy in it versus what I... Let me be honest here. I thought that uh, the playwright was kind of preaching to the choir. And in that sense, mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to reach a new audience with this piece at all. He's just going to mm -hmm. reach the people who already have these opinions. But if he had gone about it a little different way, I think he has an opportunity here like the moment with the teacher and putting her hand on the pistol and of course the end of shooting out. There's actually room for comedy here where you could reach a different audience, a more mm -hmm. discerning audience that may not agree with what you're saying, but would be pulled in by accident almost. And mm -hmm. versus, this has what I call the uh, the hammer approach. You just you just mm -hmm. keep hitting them over the head until you know they get it. Sure. So that would be my that would be my comment. Okay. Any thoughts, Michelle? Well, I, I thought your um, uh, as we were reading. It, I kept thinking about the question you asked us. Well, like, do you, do you have good instincts? Uh -huh. you know, uh, what do you think? Do you read people well? And we were all like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I, I know, with a sure. caveat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, with a caveat. <laughs> or, or more than one caveat. But I think that's a really interesting thing, because as I read through, I was like, oh. <laughs> well, I don't want to bet my instincts on people. <laughs> well, I mean, but it's, I mean, but it's, but it's fair, and it plays yeah. on something that I think is common for a lot of people, right? Yes. You know, if you don't personally walk around with a weapon on your hip, uh, I'm not saying whether or not that's right or wrong. What I'm saying is that if you don't commonly do it, and you see someone doing it, you immediately notice it, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's no different than we the, we want firefighters to be able to put out the fire. We don't want the Joe down the street to come and try to do it. You want somebody knows what they're doing. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any thoughts offhand? Uh, first impressions, Stephen? Uh, I, I liked it. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I liked it quite a bit. Um, it was, uh, I, I guess for me, I probably wanted more, I agree with Jason, it, it more uh, com comedy. Sure. Throughout. I mean, the, it ended on a very funny, you know, very funny note with mm -hmm. the satire, but I think you needed more throughout. That was my, my initial do you think that this is? Uh, do you think that this could be uh, satisfied by extending the play, perhaps into a one act, a full one act, or maybe you know, as opposed to a ten minute play, 25, 30 minutes? I I actually don't think extending it. I think it's two things. One, I would like to see this uh, presented more as a as a radio play versus versus a, a TV play. That's just how I saw it in my head. Uh -huh. um, but two, um, I I felt like he made his point. Um, very quickly, and then just kept, you know, saying the same point over and over. Sure. So, if expanding it um, gets more of that, then I would say no. If expanding mm -hmm. it again adds more, adds more humor and more diversity to how he approaches the topic, then yes. So that's I know that's kind of a bad answer. Per, well, perhaps uh, perhaps another interview or extending the interviews that exist in it. Hmm. Yeah, I think there was too much. Uh, there was too much commentary because it came across as just a narration. Okay. That's, that's why it felt to me okay. is that the uh, the two uh, TV anchors were narrating uh, beliefs versus getting it firsthand and kind of encounter stumbling across it. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Great. So let me ask you about the satire in this play. Do you think uh, the uh, the author uh, Andy Raker uh, states that in the satiric satirical take on the not too distant future? So uh, he certainly intends for this to be satire. Do you think the satire reads? Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Great. All right. I'm glad. I'm going to turn my page. Uh, <laughs> um, 
so uh, moving on to something uh, completely different here. The playwright offers a few suggestions by way of the stage directions, but how do you picture this being staged? I mean, particularly in a situation where we, Pangolossian Productions, might do it, uh, an evening of 10 minute plays, you know, very low budget, if any budget. Anybody have any ideas about staging in particular for this particular piece? Ah. Well, I, I, I think I kind of jumped the gun on that one when saying yeah. that I, I, I don't, I don't feel like it works as well on a stage as it would just hearing it. Like I'm, I'm curious listening back to this whenever you know. Whenever I was going to say good news for you. Yeah, so. hey, <laughs> tune in uh, some date. So I try to set you up there, Robert. Um, no, I, I, I think I think it has a lot more power. It's just spoken voice, but you know, as far as the action and movement, I don't know. I just I didn't see it, but maybe someone else has a more directorial eye for it than I do. I think that you're. I think that you're right. I, I do think that this works as just reading it, um, especially with what uh, Michelle and Stephen were doing in applying a news anchor voice yeah. to it, and then there there's you know character voice coming from you, Jason, and from Kim uh, as just normal people, regular folks who are not common to the camera. I thought that, that read out very well. Uh, I think the, what you lose, though, of course, is. Uh, them playing shooting guns. Oh, the, yeah, the gun. Yeah. 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 yeah, that that visual there, which I think would be pretty pretty gold, especially with the shotgun involved <laughs> uh, there at the end. Uh, so let me ask you all this: What point do you think the playwright is trying to make here? I'm going to start with you, Jason, because you seem to have a pretty clear idea uh, based off of your answers. What point do you think he's trying to make? Um, he is using the words of people that he, it seems like, uh, does not agree with as far as their stance, and using their, their own words as ammunition against them. Uh, ammunition. Oh, I see what you're um, So, yeah, I, I think, I think his, his approach is simply, well, this is what I hear you say all the time, so let's play it out, mm -hmm. and let's see what that world looks like. So, yeah, that was my take on that. Uh, any, other, any other thoughts? Stephen? Uh, no, yeah. not at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. I'm listening. Yeah. Great. So I, I want to point out uh, before before we wrap this up, and I just see what you think about this. We we go through in the beginning a a really long uh, section where they talk about all the benefits that actually are occurring because of the uh, because of the non restrictions, the deregulation of guns uh, in the commonplace in the public. Do you think that has any bearing on whether or not somebody might take this as pro or anti-gun one way or the other? I mean, I think it's possible that as I was reading it, I was reading my own bias into mm -hmm. it. Um, but I do, I do think that there, that it proposes a pretty um, open possibility, uh, a, a sort of. I mean, I don't. I think you felt like it was a, a pretty biased piece, but I, I thought throughout that it, I, I think it's a, I think the satire exists when ta with taking one perspective to the extreme, right? But I do think that mm -hmm. in that extreme, both are, are pretty well um, given opportunity. I mean, I, 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 do th I do think that there is, There's a strong as far as the fantasy world is concerned, yeah. I mean, they do, he, they do say in the, in the very beginning, uh, Robert says that only 31 people are killed in gun-related violence uh, as opposed to 39,000. Yeah. Now, later on, the point is made twice that, at least in these two examples, both of those people that were killed were people with brown skin. The people of right? minorities, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, minorities, right? Yeah, and so that point is yeah. taken. Yeah. But, th you know, 39,000 versus 31, 
is a huge, huge. Well, huge in difference. that case, uh, truth be told, uh, the, the playwright does a favor to the to the people that may not agree with this piece in the sense of saying only thirty one minorities were killed in a year when everyone's carrying around guns mm-hmm. and getting to choose who is good and bad. Uh, I think that's a very kind view of the world, to be honest with you. I, I think that uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of times good satire leaves people, no matter how they feel in their own minds. Uh, leaving questioning and perhaps even with a little bitterness about getting poked at. So uh, I think that from my personal point of view, I'm going to say good job, Andy Raker. Yeah, I appreciate the work that you put forward here. Let's go ahead and thank him. Yeah. And also we want to thank Lauren Watkins and Zodiac Productions. Thank you very much, Lauren, our technician. And Lauren has something that she'd like to promote. Lauren. Oh, again, okay. Um, yeah, so uh, as I mentioned in the last podcast, I am actually a musician. And I have a new song that has just come out March 20th. It's called All of Me. Uh, the artist's name is Scorpia, S-C-O-R-P-I-A. You can find it on Facebook, or you can go to the Zodiac Productions page on Facebook as well, because the link will also be there. Uh, yeah, so go ahead and check that out if you feel so inclined. Excellent. Thank you very much. And make sure that you come and see Kim and Stephen and Michelle in Ripcore by David Lindsay Albert um, at the Williamsburg Regional Library on Scotland Street, not Jason, don't, he's not in it. <laughs> March 30th, 31st, and April 6th, 7th, and 8th. And make sure you take note that the 8th is the only matinee because the other one is on Easter. I assume you're busy. Uh, $16 online through pangolossian.org. <laughs> you better be busy. $18 at the door, and there's also a $10 student ticket price with a student ID at the door. Thank you so much. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button so you get a brand new play every week. And follow us on Facebook at Best of All Possible Podcasts. Good night, everybody.